Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you can turn, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 22. And we're going to get there in just a moment. If you were with us last Sunday, you know that last week we talked about baptism. And this morning we're going to be looking at communion. Uh, but before we want, we get into this message this morning, I want to share a little bit about how we practice communion here at New Covenant Church. And also want to remind you of a message I shared just a couple of weeks ago about the unity of the church. And basically, the point of that message was we do things different. And Paul talked about people who would eat a certain thing or not eat a certain thing or do something a certain way or not do something a certain way. And his point was both sides were wrong because their attitudes were wrong. It, it wasn't right or wrong. They just were looking at things differently. And his point was that's okay. And so what I want to point out this morning before we even get into the message is I'm going to tell you how we do communion here. And I'm not saying this is the right way and that any other, the way maybe you were brought up to take communion or maybe you've been part of another church or just you're aware of how other churches do it. Um, I'm not saying their way is wrong or incorrect or that theirs is right and we just choose to do it the wrong way. You know, it's none of those things. It's just, it's different and it's okay that it's different. Um, so here at New Covenant Church, we, uh, provide the communion elements every Sunday. Um, you can see them to the left of the stage and to the right of the stage, and there's also the elements back by the sound booth. And sometimes we have visitors or even people who have been here for a while who will say, like after a worship service, you know, who, there was a circle of people that went up and they were standing by that table. What were they doing? You know, like, is that like a closed group or leaders or something like that? And the answer is no, they were taking communion. Uh, they, during the worship service, they go and, and, and participate in communion together as a family or group of friends or whatever um, and take communion and then go back to their seats and continue to worship. You can do that before the service, during the worship, or, or after the service is over if you would, you would like, but those are always available. On the third Sunday of every month, which is actually going to be next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we celebrate Congregational Communion where we'll have a special time in the service Everybody will come forward. We'll take it together as a family. Um, so just to point out some some quick differences, um, there's uh, some churches would say that you need to be a member of their church, um, like their physical church or their denomination to take communion. Uh, in New Covenant, we uh, celebrate a believer's communion where we just say um, you just need to be a believer in Christ. So it doesn't matter if you're a member of the church or not. If you believe in Jesus Christ, he's your Lord and Savior, then you're welcome to participate in communion. Um, other churches believe that you need to be a pastor or a priest to be able to give the elements. Um, actually, it, it, it um, just popped into my mind as we were having the baptism. Lena White, who did the baptism this morning for Jessica, she's one of our volunteer leaders and has a close relationship with Jessica. And Jessica wanted her to perform the baptism. Same thing there. Some churches will say you have to be an ordained pastor you know, to be able to do baptism. We don't believe there's anything special about the person who's doing the thing, you know, so whether it's communion or baptism or whatever, um, we're just being obedient to the command of Jesus Christ of what he said to do and 
we think it's okay to do it. And uh, again, I'm not saying the other churches are wrong for the way they do it. Um, that's just the way that they um, are interpreting Scripture and thinking, uh, and I'll reference uh, that a little bit later. But basically, uh, one of the things that, that, I'll, that I'll mention later, but I'll go ahead and mention that too, is that basically it's people trying to not let baptism, not let communion become routine. You know, we don't want to treat these things lightly. We don't want to um, treat them as of little or no value. And so over hundreds of years, even thousands of years, churches have developed these practices that their heart behind it is good. They're trying to say, this is special. This is important. We're not going to treat it lightly. But the... In our view of looking at Scripture, there is nothing that God said that you have to be in this place or this person or whatever to to do this or to give communion or anything like that. So um, some would only say you should only have communion in church, like in this setting. Um, but we believe you could have communion uh, as a family with your husband. You know, if you're a husband and wife taking communion together at home or with your children, or if you had friends over and you were wanting to worship together um, and take communion, all of those things in our view of Scripture would be okay, um, as long as everybody that's participating is a believer um, and they're doing it in a proper manner. So um, that that's all just to kind of say, here's what we do. Again, absolutely not saying this is the only way or the right way, and anybody who does it different is wrong. What we would, the other thing that was in that message that's very important is that whatever we do, we should be able to do it with a clear conscience. We would absolutely not want to um, put pressure or invite someone who doesn't believe the way we do to violate their conscience and do it in a manner that they weren't okay with. But it's okay that they do that. Um, and we would just hope that they're okay with what we do as well. Um, and that we can, it's not something that's going to bring disunity to the body. Um, we, we've mentioned before, we're very close with many of the pastors um, in the community. We actually have a study here in our fellowship hall every Tuesday with pastors from multiple congregations. And these, these little things don't divide us. You know, where we stand on the strong things of Jesus Christ and him crucified. We all agree with that. And we can be together in unity, regardless of the fact that if we got into the details of something like this, they might say, well, we really think you should do it this way or whatever. And we would have grace for that and say, that's great. You do that and we're going to do this. And they continue to have unity with us despite those differences. So, again, if, if, if something in here in the message today, if it if it bothers you a little bit, just try to put it in that context to say, OK, is it specifically stated in Scripture where God said you have to do it this way? And if not, then we believe it's a place where there can just be uh, a place of grace and we can all do it differently, but still get along. So that being said, a New Covenant Church would be in agreement with most evangelical churches, which would all agree that there are two ordinances, and that's just another word for commandment, that Jesus Christ gave to the church to practice. And these two outward signs of our covenant relationship with Christ are clearly outlined and commanded in the Scripture. And we discussed one last week, which was baptism, and we're discussing the second this morning, which is communion. Communion, which is also referred to as the Lord's Supper, is the ongoing sign of our relationship and commitment with Jesus Christ. Baptism is something we do once, and we actually got to witness that this morning. It only takes one baptism. You don't have to be baptized over and over again. Um, that doesn't mean you can't 
be baptized again. I was baptized uh, twice, once as about six, seven year old, and I knew I was saved, all of that. But when I was 18, I realized I don't even remember that. You know, I may have known what I was doing, but I have no recollection, no memory of it whatsoever. Um, And so I got baptized again. Was it required? I don't believe so. But I did it just for my own conscience sake. You know, I wanted to know that I knew what I was doing. Um, So baptism is something we do once, but communion is something we participate over and over and over again. If you turn your Bible to Luke 22, look at verse 14. And if you don't have your Bible, you can look up on the screen. It'll be up there as well. Luke 22, verse 14 says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. Notice that Jesus said he earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with them. He had been looking forward to this event, even though he knew what was to come shortly after. There's another passage in the Bible that says a very similar thing. Hold your place in Luke 22. This will be on your screen, so you don't need to turn there. But Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Look, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says that for the joy that was set before him, It wasn't that Jesus was looking forward to the suffering. We know that he prayed in the garden that if this cup could pass, Lord, you know, if there's any other way, let it be done. So it wasn't that he was looking toward the suffering. Uh, In Luke, he was looking forward to sharing this first communion meal, this uh, uh, a culmination of what the Passover meal was for. It was the fulfillment of the old covenant and the beginning of the new covenant. That's what he was looking forward to. And then in Hebrews, it wasn't that he was looking again toward the suffering or the cross, but it says that he was able to endure the cross and the shame for the joy because he knew what was on the other side. He knew that there was a once and for all total victory that he was about to gain, that he was going to win over sin and over death and over the enemy on that cross. And he was looking forward to the other side because he knew what God was about to accomplish through the sacrifice. So back to Luke chapter 22, now in verse 18, Jesus says, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So one of the questions that comes up is, Why should we participate in communion? Uh, And it's the same answer that we gave last week of why should we participate in the commandment of baptism? And the answer is because Jesus commanded it. He said so. He said, do this. He commanded us to be baptized. He commanded us to participate in this act of communion in remembrance of him. 
In the same way that we defined last week that baptism could be termed just as a physical activity, a physical exercise. And we just saw Jessica go under the water and come up above the water. That was a physical act, but we believe so much more happens in that act. It's the same way with communion. We could define it as merely taking a piece of bread or taking a piece of cracker and drinking from a cup. And we could, we could define that and just say that's all it is. It's a physical act, but it's so much more. There's, there's a spiritual side to, to communion, and that's one of the things that we're going to look at this morning. The other thing is that Jesus said uh, not to just, that we weren't just eating and drinking. He said that we were to remember him in that act. And our focus this morning is going to be on that remembering How do we remember him when we take communion? Our modern minds think of remembering as a purely mental exercise. If communion is just supposed to be a mental exercise of remembering, don't you think it would make more sense that it should just be like a Bible study? We could look at every scripture and every uh, passage that tells us little bits and pieces about what happened that night. Each of the Gospels tells us a little bit different picture. And so we could look at all those things and we would try to put those pieces together and then imagine what that night would have been like versus eating some bread and drinking from a cup. But Jesus himself said that in this eating and in this drinking, we would remember him and he would make himself known to us in the breaking of bread and the drinking of this cup. There's so many aspects of Christianity that rely on our faith. Faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ, his son, his word, and they don't necessarily make logical sense. How many of you, God has asked you to do something or you've heard him say something that just didn't make sense. It didn't make logical sense. If we were doing it in our own strength or our own power, that would absolutely not be what you would do. And that so oftentimes is, is the way our faith is. And we there's things in our faith that we can't claim to understand the fullness. God says uh, that his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts. And these same things apply when taking communion. Communion is one of these mysteries that we can describe and talk about it in some ways, but in other ways, God is doing something in it that is beyond what we can comprehend. He's commanded us to do it. He's told us to remember him in it. And somehow this physical act of eating and drinking transcends the physical and becomes spiritual. The bread and the cup is a door between two worlds, a point of contact between our physical world and the kingdom of God. The communion meal is the point where our spirits, along with our physical being, literally meet and eat with God. The remembrance that is described here and that Jesus is talking about is far different from our view of remembering For us to remember something, we had to be there. In the first service, Candy and the girls are in the back with the the children now. But in the first service, uh, I used the example of our wedding. And I asked everyone, uh, who remembers our wedding? Do any of you remember Candy and I's wedding? And the answer, obviously, is no. There's, There's no one here. There's no one that was in this first service that was at our wedding. You can't remember it because you weren't there. 
We, we have a video of our wedding. You can, you can be thankful I did not bring it. We're not going to watch it. But even if I, I could describe it, I could describe who was there and what happened, and we could even show the video and you could see it, but you still couldn't remember it the way that we define remembering because you weren't there. How can you remember something that you didn't participate in? But that's not what Jesus was talking about. If it was the only people in the world in all of history that could participate in this communion meal would be the 12 disciples that had the meal with him that night. They're the only ones who could physically remember being there with him because no one else was there. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a different type of remembrance. And they were actually participating in the Passover meal. This was the last Passover meal because Jesus was fulfilling his covenant, the new covenant. And that's why he was looking forward to this night, earnestly desiring to have this meal with the disciples because it was going to be a fulfillment. So for thousands of years, once every year, religious Jews would remember what God did when he delivered the people out of Egypt. And they would remember it not by thinking about it, Not by just saying, oh yeah, remember what happened with Moses. No, they would remember it by doing it again. They would have the meal again. They would go through all of the things that the Israelites went through when they exited out of Egypt. That was the point of the Passover meal. And that's how uh, Jews and Greeks of this day looked at remembering. It was a recreation of that event. The only way that you and I could remember Candy and I's wedding in the, in the way that Jesus w- was referring to here would be for us to have a renewal of our vows. Candy and I could get married again, renew our vows today in this church. There would be a different pastor officiating. There would be different guests. But the event, the activity, the purpose the love being uh, proclaimed, the commitment being entered into, all of those things would be the same. We would be remembering it by recreating it, by doing it again. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he commanded us to remember him by recreating, redoing this act of that meal again and again and again. In one sense, remembering to them did mean the same thing as it does to us, but there's a vast difference, and I want to kind of get into the specific details uh, of what it was like for them. The first thing is it wasn't only a mental activity or thinking about a past event. Rather, it was an activity that involved the entire person, their spirit, their mind, their emotion, and their body. The second thing it meant was to perform or relive the past event, just like I described, not merely thinking about it. It's literally a recreation of the event. And finally, it meant that the persons remembering totally identified with and participated in all the powers and effects of the original event. Every year now, for over 3,000 years, religious Jews have remembered their deliverance 
from Egypt. They still practice it today. This this Saturday, there's going to be the, the what Pastor Daryl was talking about, the community uh, event where it's a Seder meal. And this is a, a Messianic Jew. So uh, a Jew who has come to Christ is going to lead that. And he's going to lead it in the way of a post-Christ meal. So it's not it's not recreating the, the Passover meal, knowing that that's part of the old covenant. He says the only way he'll do a Seder meal is if it brings Christ into it, the fulfillment of that meal. But religious Jews are still practicing that same meal. They're still remembering that event the same way. And Jesus Christ told us to remember it the same way by having that meal again, by taking that bread, by blessing it, by breaking it, by taking the cup. And that is what we're doing when we have communion. The emphasis of remembering was on the doing it again not merely thinking about it, which explains why Jesus actually used these words. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, think about me while you do this. We are to participate in communion, reliving that moment, bringing that moment from the past to the present, recognizing that we serve a living Christ and Lord. That as we take communion now, we're literally taking it with Him. This definition of remember means that as we celebrate communion, we're not looking back to the cross or the empty tomb. In this remembrance, His finished work is brought forward to this present moment, even as He, in His glory, is uniquely here, present with us as we take it. We receive in this moment all the effects of the covenant, of the new covenant, In this present moment, we rejoice in our redemption that's achieved, that the burden of sin and guilt has been sent away from us, and we're now declared righteous in Christ Jesus. And Jesus was saying, whenever and wherever and whatever moment you reenact, you recreate this meal, in that moment, what I am doing now and here with these 12 disciples will be present to you then. You will be here at the ratification of the new covenant and immediately present to me, the mediator of the new covenant. When we take communion, we're literally eating with Christ. There's a passage in the Old Testament where Exodus, in, in Exodus where Moses and the 70 elders went up on the mountain and, and the glory of God fell and he was present and it says they ate and drank with him. Even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Covenant, God met with his people and they ate and drank in his presence. And that's what Jesus is doing in communion. In the New Testament, and this, this shouldn't be surprising to us, the New Testament confirms that as a believer in Jesus Christ, he's always not only with us, but he's in us. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? So if we believe that Christ is present with us and in us, well then of course He's here when we're taking this meal. When we're breaking this bread and drinking this cup, He's literally present with us if we believe that we're saved and He's in us. He's here. So while he's here and with us all the time, I believe in this meal, in this communion meal, God is doing something special. 
as we come together and take it together as a body or as a group or even in your home or wherever. It says, whenever you meet, and in the New Testament it said, and they went house to house breaking bread. They did it in different places in different ways. And God was saying, I will be with you in a special way. Before we close, I want to point out something that I think helps illustrate this point. And Luke is the only gospel, it's only uh, one of the four gospels that mentions this same meal, this communion meal twice and ties them together. The first we just read in Luke 22. The second is in Luke 24. And you can turn there in a second. But it's, it's basically the walk to Emmaus, if you have heard or know that story. And in the account of the walk to Emmaus, Jesus runs into two disciples and they're talking and they're talking. This is post-resurrection. This is after the cross, after Jesus has resurrected from the dead. And this is still in that period where they're not sure what happened. They all haven't seen him yet. They don't know that, that he's alive. And they're questioning, did he really raise from the dead? Or did somebody just take his body? What's going on? And so these two disciples are walking uh, on this road to Emmaus. And Jesus just starts walking along with them. And it says they don't recognize him. And he asks them, he says, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, really? You don't know? Have you not heard? Like, like everybody was talking about this. This was the topic of every conversation in the area. And they're like, how could you not know? And they start, they start telling Jesus what happened. And then it says that Jesus started uh, revealing to them who he was through the entire Old Testament. He told them every prophecy, every story about himself and revealed that to them. And then when they get to where they're going, Jesus is saying, I've got to go on. And they, they just pressured him and pressured him to come in and eat with them. And he, was, he, he told them no, but he finally agreed. And in Luke 24, verse 30, that's where we're picking up. So when Jesus, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight and they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they said, yeah, we know he appeared to us too. Then they told what had happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And if you compare uh, verse uh, 30, uh, it's identical to verse 19 in chapter 22. Jesus, it says, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And so it was literally that same meal. And in that recreation of that first communion with Jesus. This was the second communion with Christ. And as he broke that bread and gave it to him, after he blessed it, their eyes were opened and they knew who he was. And then he was gone. But that same promise is to us that he said, when you do this, remember me by recreating it and I will be with you, in you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always going to be there. It reminds me, you know, a while back, uh, 
Pastor Joel preached on the Holy Spirit. If we believe that, we need to believe the next thing that Jesus said before he goes. He says, it's better that I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he's going to reveal everything to you. In the Old Testament, it said the prophets and the, and the patriarchs, uh, all, all that believed looked forward to the day that Christ would come. The New Testament says they all wished they could be where we are. But we look back and think, oh, if only we could have seen, you know, the sea part, then we would have believed. If only we saw the fire fall from heaven, then we would, it'd be easier to believe. But those people said, no, we long for the day that Christ will come and that his Holy Spirit will fall on all flesh. And that's where we live. We're on the best side of all of it. We can look back to what Jesus said, but we don't have to look back to what he did. He's in us today if we just believe. If we believe in Christ, if we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, that he really did defeat sin and death, that he really did set us free from all of our bondage, that he's really in us, that he really did make us a new life, that what Jessica participated in earlier really is an outward sign of a whole new life, that she's no longer the person that she was before. She is a new creation in Christ. And that's who we are if we've believed And we have faith and we just walk in that. And God says, now with the Holy Spirit, we can walk in faith and walk by the Spirit, not in the flesh anymore, but in His power, in His strength, and in who He is, the risen Lord and Savior. And when we come to communion, we don't treat it as as something that we just do or let it become common. And like I mentioned earlier, that really is why other denominations and other aspects of the Christian faith have done and put the things around it that they have. It's because they want to treat it with respect and they don't want to uh, treat it as common or do it without thinking. But we can honestly say with a clear conscience, that's not our heart. Because we do it the way we do it, we're not saying it is of less. What we would say is, When we take that meal, when we take that cup and that bread, that Jesus Christ is present with us, with the believers around us, and that we are remembering him, we're redoing that event. There's there's some that even even the cleanup of the meal is handled in very specific ways and things like that. We would say, you know, I we don't know because scripture doesn't tell us. But I would assume Jesus and the disciples got up and left. And somebody came in later and cleaned up, <laughs> cleaned up the meal. You know, we're not putting a lot of weight on the post-cleanup activity. What we believe is, is as we take the communion, Christ is with us. And we're going to hold that in high honor and high regard and take it with a lot of respect and self-reflection and make sure that we're doing it with a, high, with a right heart. But all of, like I said, all of those other little things we don't want to judge them. We hope they're not judging us. And we just want to be in unity as the body of Christ. As we all, the whole church included, remembers and recreates this meal and believe that Jesus is doing something in the spiritual realm far more than we can even fathom. Because there's still mystery in it. As much as we can think about it and talk about it, we'll never get rid of the mystery 
Communion keeps us from forgetting the most important element of our faith, the love that God revealed to us through Jesus Christ on the cross. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. His death and resurrection removed our sins forever and paved the way for us to enter into the presence of God without shame or fear. Water baptism is the covenant seal of our relationship with Christ. It's the public acknowledgement of the private act of believing in Jesus Christ and accepting his lordship over our life. But that's a one-time act that doesn't get repeated. Communion is the ongoing covenant sign of our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It should be done regularly because we need to remind ourselves often of what Jesus has done for us. And it's not just during that meal. It's every moment of every day that He's in us, that He's made a way, that His work is finished. On the cross, after this meal, He says, it's finished. The work is done. And we can live in that victory. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the work that you've done, Father. But most importantly, we thank you that you are alive and well and on the throne today in victory. Death has lost its sting. Sin has lost its power. We can be truly free in you because you have set us free Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us this morning, Lord, to open eyes, to open ears, to open hearts, and that this morning people heard a word they've never heard before and would believe that they would come into relationship with you today and that their life will forever be changed by the one and only relationship that can. Father, we give you all glory and honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.